About 20 years ago, the leadership of this church was feeling a call from God to expand beyond the four walls of the tiny chapel around the bend from this property now. God was leading them to share the gift that he gives them every single Sunday with more people. The congregation had outgrown that space, and so they began looking. And there's a very long version of this story, but I'm just going to tell you the very short one with a couple of stories to illustrate God's faithfulness. This property that we are on right now was given by God's grace to be purchased by the congregation. And the congregation felt led to come and build this building on this property, and there was a daunting challenge ahead of the congregation. The early estimate for the cost of the project was around $15 million to buy the land and to build the building. The congregation was only about 300 people, and they brought in this fundraising consultant who looked at the size of the congregation and the size of the annual budget, which was around a million dollars a year at the time. And the fundraising consultant said, I've never seen any congregation raise more than four times the amount of their annual budget. You guys are trying to go 15 times the size of your <laughs> annual budget. So church leadership called up uh, another fundraising consultant, <laughs> a man by the name of Alan Walworth. Alan believed in the same big, generous God that this congregation believed in. And with Alan's help and under the leadership of Hank Higdon, who's here today, who headed up the campaign, the congregation sacrificially gave and gave and gave. In fact, I called Hank yesterday to hear some of the stories of how that unfolded. And I heard again this phrase that was being used at the time that Hank and others were encouraging, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And people began sacrificially giving. Hank told me the story yesterday. One day he got a phone call from a family who had prayed about it, and they were bringing a joyful tithe to the Lord. They were bringing a million-dollar gift, and they were so joyful and pleased to let Hank know that. And within an hour of that phone call, another phone call came to him, and it was from a family that doesn't earn quite as much money as that first family that called. This family was joyfully, sacrificially offering a $750 gift that they had pledged to give over the course of three years, which was the pledge campaign, $250 a year. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. People not only gave finances, they gave time and talent as well. There are too many of those stories for me to recount today, but there's one I want to highlight for us. And it's the construction of this cross that hangs over my head. There was a carpenter who was working around the place. We called up Pastor Neely Tao this week as well to collect some of the stories from her. And she told us that there was a carpenter who was working around the place, and he offered his further help, what help needs to be needed around here. And she mentioned that we needed a cross built. And so he volunteered his time and talent to construct this cross. When he went to the lumber yard to buy the wood, he told the manager at the lumber yard what it was going to be used for. And the lumber yard said, take the wood as a contribution from us. I love that story because every time we look at this cross, I can think of no better illustration than a gospel response, for a gospel response, than a cross. 
that was given freely, sacrificially, because it represents the great gift that God has given us, a sacrificial gift of tremendous generosity, the gift of dying in our place. What I love most about those stories from 20 years ago, by the way, the $15 million was raised by God's grace. In fact, the total project cost for buying the property, building the building, it swelled as most project costs do, to $18 million. And just a few years later, the property next door that Pastor David now lives in came up for sale for around $2 million. So what that means is that this property, by God's grace, cost about $20 million of sacrificial generosity. Isn't that amazing? And what I love so much about telling those stories is that I personally, Nathan Hart, I wasn't here when that happened. I came on board as an associate pastor about four years after this building was completed. And so what that means is that I am, I represent one of those future generations that people were sacrificially giving for. They knew that when they gave such tremendous contribution to the project, they were not just getting a blessing personally out of it. They were blessing future generations with a space, with a property set apart so that people could do what we're doing today, which is meet with God and with one another, which is hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are living out the generosity of those people from 20 years ago, many of whom are still part of this congregation, but many of whom, myself included, are new. We are those future generations. Our scripture today says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Malachi 3, verse 10. The story from 20 years ago is a story of a congregation bringing the full tithe into the house of the Lord. Time, talent, and treasure. The context in which Malachi, the prophet, wrote these words was a time in which the people of God well, they weren't bringing in the full tithe. They weren't like a sandwich church. They were struggling with it. They were, in Malachi's words, in the verse right before the one we read today, they were robbing God. What does that word tithe mean that Malachi is mentioning here? Well, there's a number of different ways the Bible describes it. First fruits is one of them where in an agricultural society, when people harvested their crops, God asked them to bring the first portion of those crops before they ate them themselves, to bring that first portion into the temple, into church, to give as an offering, a worshipful offering unto God. A biblical tithe can be interpreted in a number of different ways. We don't grow crops these days, but we earn paychecks. And one way of interpreting the biblical tithe of first fruits for people like us is that we would give the first portion of our paychecks. Some interpret it to mean the first 10% of whatever income we receive to bring it into the house of the Lord and give it as an offering. Notice with me that giving to the church in this way is not a charitable donation. God is not a charity who needs our generosity. Rather, God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy. And he asks us to bring the first portion of our harvest as an act of worship, as an act of trusting 
that he will supply for all of our needs. Now, I realize that there's some of you sitting here right now or worshiping at home that when you hear the pastor start to talk about money and tithing and 10%, you're very nervous right now. But I just want to reassure you, everybody take a deep breath and relax. This is a very encouraging message. Because Stanwich Church, we're bringing the full tithe. Did you notice in one of the back pages of our program today, did you notice this chart? Normally, by the end of the fiscal year, which we're in right now, in the last couple of weeks at the end of the fiscal year, normally, I've been here, that'll be my 10th year this October. I've never seen a chart like this. We had to make up a whole new chart. Normally, the last few weeks of the fiscal year, you start getting emails and talking head videos from the senior pastor saying, all right, guys, we can make it. We can do it. Let's try to get to our end of our fiscal year budget. You haven't gotten those emails from me this week because, look, at we had to think of what word do we use, fulfilled. We were like, what's the word? Is it surplus? or what? We couldn't even think of it because we normally don't get there. 10 days before the end of the fiscal year. So congratulations. We're bringing the full tithe into the house of the Lord. Now, I know there's a little bit to go with the missions budget, but I have every confidence that the Lord is going to faithfully give through us to reach the missions budget. You know, this past week, I was feeling really good about the fact that we reached our fiscal year goal 10 days before the end of the fiscal year. I was feeling really fantastic about that until I remembered a story from my parents' church. My parents go to the church around the corner from their house in Holland, Michigan. And just a couple of years ago, their pastors realized that a full three months before the end of their fiscal year, the congregation had already completely fulfilled their annual budget. And so the pastors realized they had this problem on their hands, a good problem. What are we going to do for the next three months? And so they went before the congregation and they said, congratulations, we fulfilled our budget. Let's keep giving these next three months, but let's give to causes outside of the walls of this church. And so they chose three different things to do in their community with those three months, one of which there's a, a public elementary school near the church with mostly lower-income kids. And it was the end of the fiscal year, so it was heading towards summer. And they realized from these families that all these families were about to lose the provision of the school lunch because it was going to be summertime. And so my parents' congregation bought lunch for every family in that school for the whole summer. That's how they spent one of their months. Pretty cool, right? We pastors were talking about it this past week, and we have a challenge for you. We would love for you to give us that good problem this coming fiscal year. Let's go for it. I'm looking at the elder chair over here. He's nodding his head. Three months before the end of the fiscal year, 2022, let's try to figure out what to do with all of the surplus by being fulfilled in our goal. I think we can do it. If we bring the full tithe into the house of the Lord and this promise, this wonderful promise, let's, let's, let me read it again because there's a beautiful promise in here from God. Malachi 3 verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing. You know that feeling we had just a few minutes ago when we were all singing? And we could hear each other's voices. We often say around here that when we have those Holy Spirit-infused musical expressions like we just experienced, we have this sense that the roof blows off the place. 
that there's no roof between us and the heavenly throne room, that there's a portal between this congregation and the throne room of God. I felt it just a few minutes ago. I'm convinced that there's this formula that works out that's described here by Malachi 3 verse 10, that when we give God a first portion, not just of our finances, but a first portion of our hearts, that's what he's asking for, really. That when we do that through song, when we worship him, he opens the window. In other translations, it says he opens the floodgates of heaven and pours out his blessing upon us. When we give him our hearts, when we give him our time, our talent, and our treasure, He pours out his blessing upon us. That's what we experience. And I love the fact that I get to be a pastor at this church with all of that amazing, profound generosity from 20 years ago. $20 million sacrificially given. Not only finances, but time and talent. That that amazing contribution, that full tithe brought into the house of the Lord means that God opens the floodgates for us and pours out his blessing. It's possible you hear the word formula and you get a little bit nervous about that. Wait a minute, I thought the formula was that he died in our place and there's nothing we can do to make him love us more or bless us more. And that's all true. But I think that the formula that God wants is that he wants our hearts. He wants the first portion of our time, talent, and treasure because he wants us. This God that we serve is a relational God. He wants our hearts and when he gets our hearts, he gives us his heart. We're in relationship with him. He opens that floodgate. He opens that window and pours himself out because we've given him a portion of our heart. We've given him all of ourselves. That's the equation. That's the formula that's being offered by God. And it doesn't require money. It requires our hearts. And the time, talent, and treasure follow. And then he pours out his very self to us. And that's what we experience every week here at Sandwich Church. And pour down for you a blessing. And the way the phrase ends is what we're going to focus on for the last few minutes here. Until, it says, there is no more need. Pour for you a blessing until there is no more need. I saw that in my parents' church. When they had given so generously to the church budget, they realized they had a surplus. They began giving to the need that was in their community. Children needing lunch through the summer. That's the equation. That's the formula. That's how it works. He pours out his blessing when we pour out ours until there is no more need. And I've been looking around. I've been thinking about what is the need in our region. There are many material needs like we heard about from Ed Morgan just a few minutes ago, Bridgeport Rescue Mission, and all the other places that we serve. But I'm also seeing a great spiritual need. Can we all agree that things are broken in our world? Can we all agree that this region of our country in particular is in a pretty sad state? It was before the pandemic. It's just been exacerbated now. Churches are closing by the dozen in the Northeast. A whole generation of people have either walked away from the faith or never even heard the gospel in the first place. There is a need for the spreading, the telling of the gospel to the next generation in this region. It's why we are so excited to restart and to rekindle and to reinvigorate our Stanford initiative. Because we're not here just for ourselves. 
We're here to proclaim what the world needs most. We're here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our vision statement is to know Christ and make him known. And it's been so fun telling people about our Stanford initiative. Some of you who are on the leadership team, I'm looking at Mark Curtis right now smiling. We've seen this over the last several months as we tell, we try to bring in some key people who worship in Stanford and worship here. We tell them about the initiative. And it's just been amazing watching the spontaneous generosity and the spontaneous uh, willingness to roll up the sleeves and work on it. It's like popcorn going off on a popcorn maker. You tell people about the Stanford Initiative, and people just show up and want to help. It's been so encouraging. I've never seen anything like it in all my years of ministry. I've never seen a vision. I've never seen an initiative generate so much spontaneous tithing of time, talent, and treasure. Last week, Greg Hartz and I stood on the podium, and we announced the official communications launch, at least, of the Stanford Initiative. And immediately we began hearing from people who wanted to help. Leslie Bolton, for example, came up to Greg afterward. Leslie is an interior designer of spaces, commercial spaces and retail spaces. And she said, you guys are looking at buying a building. Leslie's right over here next to Anne-Marie Graham. She said, you guys are going to be buying a, a building. I want to help. I want to contribute my talent. This is, this is a tithe, guys. This is a spontaneous tithe. And as we've been in the planning processes, I've had... Various people come along and just, I'm not even asking them to help. They're just showing up and helping. Scott Friesen, with his visionary mind, keeps offering some visionary um, perspective on how we can do this well. Wes Livers with his spreadsheets <laughs> to make sure it all makes sense financially. That's a tithe. That's bringing the full tithe into the house of the Lord. Leslie's talent of interior design. Scott's talent of visionary thinking. Wes's talent of making the finances all make sense. And I've been looking at these properties in Stanford for us to carry out our vision, our vision to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a generation that has either walked away from it or who never heard it in the first place. Our vision to connect people with their creator on Sundays, but to connect people with each other seven days a week in a community space, an event space. And I've been looking at buildings that would hold this whole vision, and I've been a little daunted, to be honest with you. Because buildings in Stanford are really expensive. And I feel a little bit like that first fundraising consultant that they brought in 20 years ago. <laughs> I've been thinking, I don't, I don't know if we can do this. But the Lord changed my mind on all of that recently. A couple came to meet with me. Now I meet with couples all the time. As a pastor, I get these phone calls, and usually couples want to come meet with me when there's something going wrong in their marriage. And this couple wanted to come meet with me, and I sat with them, and they looked at me, and with so much joy, they said, we want to bring a full tithe. We want to bring a full tithe for the Stanford property acquisition. And they told me the amount of their tithe. And I'm going to leave that exact number between them and God because that's their gift. But I'll just put it this way. With their tithe, in addition to the monies that had already come in many months ago that you saw in the annual meeting report, with the addition of this new tithe that I'm reporting to you right now, this is late-breaking news, the Lord has already supplied almost $9 million dollars. 
He's doing it again. He did it on this property, and he's doing it again in our time. And I told this couple, and I really mean this, I told this couple, as amazed as I am by the amount of money you are sacrificially giving, I am equally as impressed with your faith that you would give a full tithe. I'm reminded of that story Hank told, the couple that brought a million-dollar tithe followed by another couple that brought a $750 tithe. God is as impressed with both. He's as impressed with this generous contribution I just told you about as he is with whatever you can bring to the table. Did you feel it when Gina called us earlier to volunteer in the children's ministry? Do you have a talent like Leslie Bolton's or Scott Friesen's or Wes Livers that you can bring? We have coffee hour that's going to be restarting soon in August. Maybe somebody has the gift of hospitality. Bring that as a tithe unto the Lord, for he's worthy of our praise. The Lord is stirring in the hearts of his people. I'm seeing it. I get a front row seat to this stuff. It's fun being able to report it to you, but I look forward to hearing from more of you. I think it was... um, I forget who it was. Charlotte, who did you see in a restaurant this week? And you said you're so excited about the Stanford vision. Did you see Pastor Heather? Yes. Yeah. It's like popcorn going off all over the place, this, this, this new initiative, but also the needs that we have here at Sandwich Church. Guys, after the pandemic, during the pandemic, we all kind of got used to sitting on our couches and watching church. It's time to bring the full tithe, time, talent, and treasure back into the church. To borrow a phrase, I'll just say this. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. It's coming in. You want to be part of this awesome movement of bringing in the full tithes to the house of the Lord. I look forward to watching the floodgates of heaven open wide and our creating sustaining and saving God, pouring out his blessing upon us until there's no more need in this region for his glory and for the gain of his people. Amen.